Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. To, to not target him is one of the worst decisions from an Aston Villa manager since since Remy Gard thought going <laughs> was a form of coaching. <laughs> Ramsey had to run at him for the entirety of the second half. McGinn should have arsed him into the middle of next week. Dougie should have spent the next 20 minutes licking his neck, snapping at his ankles, humping his leg like a good boy. (laughs) This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. I think we have to say the most disappointing thing about today, not that it was Arsenal, and that was very disappointing that it was Arsenal yet again lining up to spank Aston Villa. When did that start happening regularly? But it was the procession feel of it all. That was just a procession. You knew Arsenal were going to score, and once they scored, you knew that was it. And this is Arsenal. Like, like it shouldn't be the case. And they just bent us over and did what they want, and we were never going to get back into that game. And the really annoying thing is, I think the biggest difference between Arsenal and Villa, the only difference really, definitely the biggest one, is that they feel they have to be more adventurous and more attacking. They feel like they have to have higher standards, so they take more risks. And they know, by proxy of that, most other teams, like us chumps, are going to set up conservatively when we're when we're sort of faced with a team who are attacking more. That's what happens. You sort of immediately... Assume that position. Like, Liam, there's not that big a difference between Aston Villa players and Arsenal players. Arsenal players aren't that much better than Villa, so the level of performance shouldn't be that much better. Why is it so much easier for them to keep the ball? Because they're passing the ball to fucking each other. That's one of the reasons, I'd say. (laughs) But why is that? Why do they do that easier than we do? 
because like that, this was just absolutely emblematic of everything that goes wrong with Aston Villa. A tough game against a good side, and just all the bad habits, every bad performance from the last two years comes flooding back with a fucking vengeance. I mean, afraid, we're afraid they pass the ball to each other, afraid they go and demand it, popping out of the pocket so we can pop it back to fucking Mings, dwaddling on the ball, playing through balls to Odegaard like it was going out of fashion, tossing <laughs> balls aimlessly long. Like, we must have thought Gabriel's forehead and the unoccupied channel of space between White and Cedric were playing up front for us. It was fucking a shambolic display. It was so riddled with fear and devoid of any imagination. And the weirdest thing is, you're right, the fear was in our imagination. There's nothing under the bed other than the fucking puddle of piss that seeped through our mattresses. Like, uh, Arsenal are a good side, but they're not good enough to not want the ball against. They're not yeah. good enough to not pass the ball to your fucking teammate. Now that's it. Like I, I really don't want to have a bit of a laugh at Arsenal because we we've gotten some handy points against them the two seasons before this season. But it, I, I don't want to take too much away from them. They're a good side. They're well coached. They've won ten and thirteen. That's an amazing record. But let's be honest. If you put the Villa team in Arsenal's team and had them coached the way they've been coached over the last few years and and had them on this run. And gave them these standards and expectations. Would it really be that hard for that team to do what Arsenal are doing? Like, is it that big a drop off to go from those players to the Villa players, who we think and we see a lot of the time? It's usually every other week that they're good players. Like, this is the first thing Steven Gerrard talked about was inconsistency. This is when he came into the job. This is followed up three wins in a row, two losses in a row. Here we go. It's it's just the same over and over. We've gotten two results against top eight this season and that's United that doesn't count like you're know, getting four points against United is actually two drop points yeah and like the Villa are perfectly consistent in their inconsistency we're a fucking shambles it's amazing how much we railroad out of control it's a joke and yeah Arsenal seemed they've been under the same coach for longer than Aston Villa have the Sky had a package last week asking is Pep Guardiola's influence on Mikel Arteta finally impacting Arsenal like, yes, he's also a cunt. If you're asking, has he created a team of diving, fouling, cheating, whinging cunts, then yes, Pep Guardiola's influence is finally shining through. Like, they, and that was that was the major difference today. Villa just looks so fucking dumb on the ball. It's such a shame as well because, yeah, one of the other influences that Pep Guardiola's obviously have in on Arteta is the the propensity to whinge in his press conferences and his post-match interviews. And yeah, he was coming out after the Liverpool game saying, well done to the Premier League, well done to Sky, whoever BT Sport for putting their game on a Saturday because they're playing on a Wednesday. Wednesday! Like, like w- waking up, Mikel Arteta, this is what you're aiming for, you're trying to get Wednesday night football every year. <laughs> like, this is what you're chasing for next season. Like, that's Wednesday to Saturday isn't worth pointing out. That's just the reality. West Ham are doing Thursday to, to Sunday every single week. Like that, that's what it is. And I had that joke. I'm so annoyed. I, all I wanted was Villa to get a result because I just wanted to make that joke that Arteta is going to have to get used to playing Thursday and Sunday next year because they're not going <laughs> to the Champions League. <laughs> but can Arsenal have played about four times since Christmas? <laughs> like when does he want these games, please? They're, these are the catch-up games because Arsenal called off the Spurs game because one of their players... Was out. One of the players was out. Yeah. Well, like I said, him. he's a fucking cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
it needn't have worried anyway because they were coming to play Villa and they're just gimme points now it seems against a superior opposition and it only took one goal and it only took Aston Villa falling asleep yet again like, if if there's two men standing over a free kick on the sideline you're going to have to assume that they're going to look to use one of those two men but Villa just left themselves completely outnumbered they got panicked by what was happening in the box Ashley Young was left two on one Saka and Cedric combined to create a bit of space the ball goes in Saka then just is allowed to drift across completely unmarked nobody looking at him still drops to Buendia he's got a chance to clear it to love the little polite clearance just into the path of Saka shoots through a crowd of bodies and it's a goal and like it's as much as Villa were shy today and outplayed today it's 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 very disappointing that that's the only difference in the game like that one free kick that they should have been more alert for and they could have dealt with on a couple of different occasions. Yeah, like here we go again. Another goal conceded with half the team playing their part in it by not playing their fucking part. <laughs> Coutinho's attempt to get out to Cedric is pathetic. Then Arsenal's best player has just wandered 30 yards from the wing across our box and nobody thought it might be a good idea to wander out to meet him, see how he's getting on, ask him what his plans are. No one had to ask his plans, though, because fucking JJ seems to know what they are, and he just pathetically prods the ball into his path to tee him up for a spank. And Martinez has to save that as well. I don't care how many legs there were between him and the ball. There are plenty of fucking feet between the ball and the post as well. It was a really fucking bad goal to concede. You think Martinez should have saved it? I think it's about six foot from the post. I don't think he gets down quick enough, which we know he can get. He got down a lot quicker earlier on in the match. We know Martinez can get down to that. He, he waits too long. Yeah. That uh, was thoroughly disappointing. And maybe Villa weren't helped by the referee. I don't think it would have made that big a difference. But <laughs> I do have to highlight the Tyrone Mings yellow card. Is that a granite shaka? I see incensed at somebody not getting sent off. <laughs> so like Ty- Tyro Mings wins the ball, and, and actually it's, it's a lovely. He's he's changed the direction of his foot because he wants to pass it out to Asiom as he slides through to win the ball. The free kick is absolutely ridiculous because you know this is just to give a free kick in the first place because he's there about a second before Zaka's there. The yellow card is disgraceful because he's there about five meters before. Saka, like, if if Saka doesn't want to get tripped, don't run into someone who's gotten to the ball five metres before you. <laughs> the only person referee should have been looking at there was Saka, and actually, the only yellow card offence, really, was Xhaka for his protestations at the referee. Yeah, I mean, you can't just go giving yellow cards to Saka for being a cunt. I mean, he would, just, he would never play a game of football again. I mean, he does his best to not play football anyway. But, like, it's... <laughs> It's strange, isn't it? I mean, it's exactly the type of tackle that no matter how painful it was, we'd all walk away from pretending not to be hurt, like desperately trying to hide the limp when we're playing yeah. on a Sunday morning because we know he got there first and we haven't a hope of being given the free kick. Like, we're all playing a different sport to these lads. And, like, Ming's studs are showing, but he's always getting there first. And unless Saka is brain dead, he knows that as well. Like, yeah. Saka chooses to continue running towards the ball and, and Mings' studs, endangering himself. Like if, if a car is driving too fast down the road, you don't decide to cross the road anyway because he should be doing 30 kilometres an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought um, 
the referee had a stinker of a game, to be honest. I think there's going to be plenty of space for him in WhatsApp winges, and I think there's going to be plenty of space for a lot of other people, mainly in Clara's jerseys and WhatsApp winges. So, look, let's just fucking get to it, shall we? <sighs> First WhatsApp winge. Is this referee Saka's uncle? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure the referee looked like he was laughing at him and telling him to wise up. But, you know, the optics of that, the ref has to know he can't walk off the pitch with his fucking arm around one of the players laughing and giggling in his face. Like, what the fuck? The, the, the half has just ended. Not acrimoniously, but, you know, there was a bit of bite in the half. What the fuck are you doing? Tell him to piss off. And all over, like, you know, Sack is obviously a great player. He just got a lot of favourable decisions. I feel like the ref was blown before anybody got anywhere near him. But it was that classic small man will always get his free sort of thing. And, and the big man, like Ollie Watkins, wouldn't get half the frees that Saka got today because it's just bigger and stronger. The one that he uh, uh, he tripped Jacob Ramsey. Now, like, maybe we don't need to be uh, making any excuses for Jacob Ramsey today. But but he looked like he was tripped on that occasion. Ref's not interested. Arsenal streamed through. Should have been 2-0, really. Um, Matt Cash got back and made a block and Buendia actually followed the whole way back and got it out of trouble and won a goal kick but just ref was just loving shit and the reason I say uncle, Saka's uncle is because if it was his dad you know like the, the dad would have gone out of his way to being a bit harsher on Saka to show that it's not nepotism that he's not going to treat him differently but the uncle is <laughs> he just he just wants this nephew to love him as well and then like that's what today felt like yeah, the uncle didn't want to piss off his brother, but like, hang on, I'm not going to let you away with that. I mean, Jacob Ramsey takes a heavy touch and he wants the ref to bail him out. Like, he's taking advice from Douglas Louise here. Like, JJ's at a very important stage of his development. He'd want to keep watching the Steven Gerrard videos and lay off the <laughs> Aston Villa analysis because that's just reams of nonsense. Like, imagine the amount of data that that's taken up. Imagine the UK has found itself in a position where it's using energy and water to store footage of Douglas Louise bending over and losing the ball <laughs> and looking up at the ref of his little puppy dog eyes. Like, what are off Jim and off what plan out allowing this to happen? <laughs> I actually thought, I, I, I took out a WhatsApp winch, but sure, we might as well go for it, considering the category <laughs> that it is. Um, because I thought Louise was all right, and I thought, oh, look, you know, I'm going to talk about his set pieces anyway, so maybe I can just lay off him in general play. But I felt like Villa not being 2-0 down was hassle for Douglas Louise. I, I felt like he was just like, oh, you know, like we still have to come back and try and block this shot because, like, because we're, still, <laughs> we're still technically in the game. But he was doing his best to not have to come back to the edge of the box. But in the second half, Arsenal were that slow with their attacks. They were just trying to run down the clock. And Douglas Ruiz had no choice but to eventually make it back into the vicinity to defend. Yeah, he was able to walk back in to close off the space, which he absolutely didn't want to do. But if anyone was in any doubt about how bad we played today, consider this. Douglas Louise was our most assured player on the fucking ball. <laughs> I can't think of a more damning sentence. Uh, next WhatsApp wins. Does Ollie Watkins think running over to set up a corner is faster? Because Definitely. Go on. <laughs> We have to wait for him to get into the fucking box now. What what was the point of that? Like him running over, sitting the ball down, nobody's there to take it. And then it's like, wait now until our centre forward gets into position. 
Well, we didn't have to wait, though, because he didn't bother fucking getting back in. He did it with Froent as well, where he ran out, picked up the ball, then Ashley Young came on the rubber saying, what are you doing? And he just stood there by the corner flag next to Bailey. Uh, next WhatsApp wins. Have Villa scored a free kick since Huron? <laughs> How the fuck would Aston Villa score a free kick when Douglas Louise is lining them up from 35 yards? <laughs> Next WhatsApp wins. Why the fuck is Douglas Louise still lining up free kicks for 35 yards? <laughs> Talk about weeks' wages. I am not finding Douglas Louise for this anymore. I am finding Steven Gerrard. I'm finding Austin McPhee. I'm finding Philip Coutinho, Jacob Ramsey, Ashley Young, John McGinn. You're all not getting paid this week because you are all culpable in Douglas Louise still, still hitting free kicks. But what is he doing at training? Honestly, like I, I, I've made the joke before that he's obviously not taking part in the set pieces, but he must be. He must be whooping them into the top corner. Like <laughs> that has to be happening. I just, I just can't countenance the fact that Douglas Louise isn't bending balls into the top corner like you wouldn't believe round the clock for the whole training session. Jesus. He's obviously not practicing on his defensive setup. I can't, I can't countenance the fact that Douglas Louise is whipping them into the top corner. Yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> uh, next WhatsApp wins and the final one and the most serious one as well. Do you know the way we're all waiting for this European challenge that we keep talking about? How are Aston Villa ever going to go on a European challenge when they've packed in the last two seasons in March? <laughs> these boys these boys would not be ready to play a 38 game season like they're, they're wrapping up every season the last two seasons and and the, the, the season before that they got it broken up for them by COVID they're wrapping up after <laughs> after 26-27 games they would not have the stamina the mental fortitude the consistency to go week in week out like you would have to do to mount a European challenge well, they also just don't have the players. I mean, let's be honest. The, the the midfield that we had to get us out of the relegation battle is the same midfield. We've still we're still using Douglas Louise and John McGinn in the middle of the park, and they're getting destroyed by Granite Jacka and Thomas Parker. Forget about a European challenge. <sighs> That's really really depressing because sometimes I look at John McGinn and think. He is a bit different to what anybody else has. Like, those, the amount of tackles that he wins back and the sliding tackles and he makes a conviction and turns the ball over so emphatically. Like it is a, It's a point of difference to other players in the league and it's great to have that. And It can really help shift momentum in your direction. But he's... I thought, he, I thought he was all right today, but he's still not moving with the ball. He's, he's not getting into the box enough. He played a couple of lovely little passes today, so maybe... It's a harsh day to pick him out, but I was just thinking about the... And look, this is definitely a weird week to do it, considering Jacob Ramsey wasn't good, but I'm, I'm just looking at the difference. I'm looking at Jacob Ramsey highlights, just streaming into the box, coming to the edge of the box, whipping goals in and running away, and like you know, having that big impact and attack. And I'm just not seeing it from again. He's, he's still too deep. He's still too static. He's still standing over the ball. And granted, he's scooping some lovely balls, but... Uh, we just we we need we need a bit more, and I think the reason that him and Ramsey were switched sides today was because we were playing two number tens. We'll get to that, but he was trying to sort of he was trying to allow for a bit of balance. Like I assume the idea was McGinn will bomb forward on his left foot past the number ten on the left, and Ramsey will do the same on the right. And 
we didn't get that obviously we weren't, weren't close to getting that from Ramsey either so again maybe this is all a uh, moot point yeah, well, JJ has a very different highlights package today than he has had for the rest of the season. Yeah. But like, if think about it this way, the only games where we have looked in control in the middle of the pitch, where we've had a bit of dominance against a big club, against a team that's going for Europe even, not even a big club, this includes West Ham, was against fucking McFred. <laughs> like, our midfield is nowhere near the level required to put any sort of European challenge on the table. But I, f- I feel like they're also not playing the way they should be playing. Like the, We talked after the United game, and, and yes, it does have the McFred caveat, but when they came back into that match, it was because they were sort of let off the leash and they went to to clutch chaotic Aston Villa. And like when you have them again and Ramsey, and surely, surely that's the best way to do it. Like surely you have to just take a, a few more risks and, and let them off, let them go, let them press, let them leave the spaces and try to close it back down. I just feel like we're sort of hamstringing ourselves the way we're set up. Oh, we're hamstringing ourselves and we're hamstringing those two. The, 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 the setup, like, we, all our players played with fear today, but the setup was born out of fear as well. And that shackled Ramsey and McGinn and then they couldn't get into the game. And then when they got on the ball, Ramsey was a fucking disaster and McGinn couldn't get on it anywhere near often enough. I mean, the, the best thing John McGinn did today was push Lacazette to the ground. That was probably the best thing any Aston Villa player did on the pitch today. <laughs> yeah, all right. We'll hand out awards after this. Mike Ashley has turned Newcastle into a discount sports company and appointed a discounted bargain basket manager. Glenn Roeder, Kenny Dogalish, Sam Allardyce, and Steve Bruce. What a fucking parade of cavemen. Like, that is the only reason Andy Carroll is a professional footballer. Only Steve Bruce and Neil Warnock have got promoted more times than Mick McCarthy. That's not even a good stat because the good managers kept their teams up and then progressed their careers. Dean Smith will never get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Brendan Rodgers won't get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Pep Guardiola once again reveals himself to be a cunt. Do me a fucking favour, as if Jack Grealish needs to go play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to progress his career. <laughs> that is absolutely a step backwards. Put this on record, United won't be within 10 points of the title. I, I genuinely believe that, and I'm not even trying to exaggerate, it's not hyperbole. Three, four games of, of bad run, United are out of the title race, like that, and that will happen to them, that will definitely happen. What gets Sean Dyche out of bed in the morning? <laughs> like, how does he do it? Imagine how exciting a job that would be. Imagine coming home and saying to your partner, I got a new job! I'm a football manager! And then going out and doing that with it? What a waste of time! <laughs> Steve Bruce is a greying pair of slazenger socks in the basket by the checkout that nobody wants.
The Ronnie Rosenthal Award is not stacked like it used to be once upon a time. Once when we were playing teams in the bottom half of the table. <laughs> the first few nominations are Arsenal, obviously. Unbelievable save, you've already hinted at it, from Emmy Martinez. Cons of deflection from Saka crossing. He's worried about Lacazette. He decides to just hip it. I think he should be doing better than that. <laughs> just hit off his hips and leaving it in the laps of the gods. But maybe he thought it was safe enough when you're leaving it in the laps of Emmy Martinez. He has to spring behind himself so quickly, so far away to get so low down that quickly and get the ball away from uh, the line as well. Like So much stuff going on there in a split second that he's done it. It's uh, one of the best saves I've seen this season. And that's not hyperbole. It's one of the best scenes I've ever seen. I mean, the ball's behind him by a good yard and a half by the time he realizes what's going on and he still gets there. And my days of owning a laptop are nearly behind me. <laughs> what uh, the fuck? Those deflection, deflection nets that he was talking about have come in handy. Absolutely, yeah. Like, we just need them. He just needs Desiree Conza running around the fucking box like an idiot. <laughs> so, Desiree Conza nominated first. So sorry, I just assumed this was the what the fuck award. This is, uh, <laughs> this is the Rossendale Award. So a great save from uh, Emmy Martinez. I suppose Ezra Conte is nominated for his almost OG. Second nomination is Emile Smith Rowe has an empty net. Really, it's a lovely switch of play from Arsenal. They were doing this a lot. It seemed at a stage that they were they had more players on us, but it just comes down to that adventure. They were just throwing more men forward at every point of attack. So. When Villa tried to shift that tight unit that they thought they had across to the right hand side of their defence, Arsenal just switched it across, and there was two, three players there all the time. And uh, Saka to Odegaard, like Saka sort of cuts in diagonally, plays the Odegaard on the byline, and he sits it up hip height. Should have done what Konza did. He's just, uh, <laughs> he's just not connected with it at all. It's, it's, it's an awkward angle for him, but he probably should do better. Yeah, like it, it's a beautiful, if somewhat unnecessary piece of football in the fucking Villa six-yard box in the lead-up to it. <laughs> and then Smith-Rowe comes charging in to take the ball off Lacazette, probably, do, probably doing his best to endear himself to Villa Park just in case we come back in with an offer that's about 50% of his value again this summer. <laughs> and then only, uh, only a few nominations from the Villa point of view, and nominations is very loose. John McGinn had a right-footed effort, but... You could see in the replay, like Buendia didn't even bother looking. He knew as soon as it left his foot that it was he was walking away, shaking his head as his ball was still bending. And McGinn is looking at it with wide eyes, but it was always going wide. And uh, Watkins got one deflected off the post. I suppose the the only way he was going to score was a a block pass or a shot today. <laughs> yeah, Dolly Dolly Watkins does fucking brilliantly to stop the ball again instead of shooting and cut back inside to the forest of legs. <laughs> Because, like you said, he knew he couldn't put the ball on target himself. Yeah. Um, and then two more nominations. Like This would have been a screamer. John McGinn, nice ball. Danny Ings tries to loop a header over the keeper. Lands on the net and never looked like it was going in. But Ings, once again, from a Villa point of view, probably has the best chance. He gets... It's a, there's a bit of a scramble in the box. Ings is first to hit a bit of a shot in a very crowded area of his head. And the rebound comes out to him, and it's sort of sitting up, and he just snatches at it again. It comes at him too quickly. He's not alert. He's not. He's not just clinically putting those away when they sit up for him. And the only other nomination was Traore just clearing out a lovely ball in at the very end when he could have just put it back across the across the the box. Yeah, I mean, 
it's Paddy's weekend, and I've had about four hours sleep in the last two days because I live in the city centre, and I spent the hours between one and three this morning listening to multiple packs of multiple losers walking home doing the Cristiano Ronaldo C at full volume. <laughs> and then I then spent the hours between 3 and 5 a.m. listening to a woman break up with her boyfriend over the phone beneath my bedroom window. And given the quantity and quality of men I've just described, it's not fucking hard to imagine why. But the worst thing I've heard today was you and billionaire Jim Beglin claiming that Danny Ings did well from that fucking header. That he was trying to loop it into the top corner. He just didn't get his head over it. It was shite again from Danny Ings. And then the snapshot. Fucking hell. How much have we... This was the reason we signed Danny Ings. Apparently. But apparently we've signed him to miss these. I mean, it's sitting up. But it's not hard to get your foot over that. Like, do me a favour. He must have the flexibility of a fucking breadstick. Get your leg over that ball and hit it properly. And I'm not going to bother talking about Trory's header. I mean, don't play long balls into Trory's head. The words long and head are probably superfluous in that sentence. Yeah. Don't play corners to the near post to Terori either. He will just see it out as well. Like he <laughs> um, yeah, the winner probably goes to Arsenal. Maybe Smith Rowe for having a <laughs> for having an empty net. And maybe Kanza for sh- he should have scored an OG if it wasn't for Martin. It's definitely... I, I, the winner from a Villa point of view is Danny Ings once again. I feel like Villa aren't... I can't remember the last time they've really just scraped the result that they haven't deserved. It feels like they always have to be really good and really in a game or have like a lot of chances. And I thought, like you said, I thought that's why Danny Ings was there to help us just eke out those results that we didn't deserve. You get a chance, bang, team punish, Arsenal punish for not putting us away. That should have been the case today. We've got Danny Ings to come off the bench and he's ruthless if you let the ball sit up. If you don't clear the ball properly, this predator is lethal and he's going to make you pay. And Never happens. Yeah, I, I think Danny Ings on a snapshot has to win it. I mean, the Smith Rowe one, he's coming in at full speed, and Lacazette is standing in his way as well. <laughs> the fact that he didn't let Lacazette hit it should probably be a nomination. But yeah. Arsenal went out of their way to make it look like Coutinho's free kick at the end was the biggest miss. Like jumping around on top of Leno as if Coutinho hadn't hit a shot with moderate power about a yard to Leno's left. Yeah. And what was the fucking point of Martinez coming up to stand behind the wall? <laughs> get on the penalty spot and sprint across the ball. Like, well, he's coming in just to get a good angle of the shot. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, we just wanted to have a have a look at it all. Like he, he's, in fairness to Martinez, he's been to the set piece practices as much as Douglas Louise has been. <laughs> Maybe he was just practicing lining up his walls. We all know how much of a fucking glutton for work he is. <laughs> The Peter Eggman, what the fuck award? Konza hipping the ball in towards his own net. <laughs> um, Jacob Ramsey just for a habit of looking to pick out Arsenal players today. I didn't. I, I don't like that in any player. Don't like it in Jacob Ramsey. Yeah, I mean there was one where he, like he, he was trying to play at the cash, but it wasn't even the right pass. Like he had so much space, and also Jack is on a yellow card, so he should just be turning and running at him. And we're also trailing. Like, why is he needlessly playing the ball backwards? This is exactly what Jacob Ramsey doesn't do when the rest of the cunts are doing it. But he's just popping the ball back to his fullback pointlessly. And without looking as well. The one he just plays through to Odegaard, he tries to open his foot and ends up completely under hitting the ball. But it's hard to tell where he was trying to hit it anyway. Uh, next nomination, John McGinn. 
he's just looking for a hit of arse in the middle of the pitch. Like just looking for anybody to give them that little relief that he so desperately needs. And Arsenal just take the ball off him, stream through the middle, and they should score. <laughs> like it's the one that Saka has a chance from then as well. But uh, yeah, he's just just dallying around, and that probably summed up. I think there were a lot of boos after that because. After the second half, Villa wanted the Villa fans wanted Villa to show a bit of urgency, to show a bit of intent, and instead they were just wasting so much time having to track back, giving the ball away needlessly, being under the cosh, having everybody penned in the same way the first half was. Yeah, he stood in the ball for too long and then decided his way out of that with the spin around on top of the ball without fucking moving it either. Get the fucking ball moving. There was one that Watkins and Ramsey left for each other. I don't know if you remember that. It just sort of sat up between the two of them about 30, 40 yards out and both of them just said, oh, I think he's taking it. None of them obviously said, you take it or I'll take it. And Kieran Tierney just ran in and took it instead. <laughs> this performance was layered with so many of this stuff and the other nomination I have is uh, probably the winner is a John McGinn corner going straight over the bar. <laughs> yeah, it's bad, isn't it? I mean... He played. He played a couple of really tasty free kicks and corners today, but that one was just that was just horrible. I mean, it was there wasn't that much left in the game as well. We weren't going to get anything out of the game by playing fucking football, so we probably should have been focusing more on getting our set pieces properly. There was another one as well, John McGinn, where he played the ball to party at the edge of the box. I mean, that's probably as good as a hoof up the field to be fair. But you know, <laughs> let's not let's not try it. Let's just get the ball up the pitch. But. John McGinn hitting the ball over at the top from a corner. I mean, what, what? it's a weak wages for hitting it out from an in-place cross. What the fuck is it from a dead ball? Yeah, because initially I thought, well, you know, it is an in-swinger. And the spirit of the week's wages was it was supposed to be an out-swinger, so you should never be hitting it out of play for a goal kick. But <laughs> this one, he's, he's, he's aiming for the box, and he hits it over the bar. Like, you know, it's a classic when you're playing out in the street to uh, growing up in a GA world around here, we used to say a point for Derry when somebody hit such a shit shot that I went miles over the bar. Um, <laughs> John McGinn, yeah, looked like he was thinking, let's just chip away at the points and the goals will come. <laughs> uh, Tim Sherwood, we play two number 10s and bamboozled them award. I'm only joking, there are no nominations for that today. <laughs> Do you like Lam Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award? Um, yeah, let's talk about Steven Gerrard's hard on for two number 10s. Because it's just not working out as two number tens anymore, is it? It's it's it's, it's closer to a four two three one than it is to a four three two one. Because the two number tens have to drop back behind the midfield to actually get anywhere close to getting a bit of space on the ball. They're not aggressive. The shape that I think he thinks that they're bringing isn't working. And then what what has happened the last time we played the two number tens? It might have been against Newcastle or Watford. Is they start playing a long ball anyway, so we bring in Buendia and Coutinho, and their only inroads to getting forward is to just lump it from back to front and hopes on bricks. And like I've said before, don't mind if that's what you want to do, but let's set up accordingly. And having Buendia and Coutinho floating around isn't the way to play a long ball game. Yeah, and the weirdest thing there was, well, Ings has been dropped immediately after his best three games in the last five months as well. Yeah, And obviously he thought wider players to match Arsenal's attack and shape and I was reinforced by playing with JJ and McGinn on their dominant sides as well taking them out of their best positions and the weirdest thing about that is that I would probably trust Danny Ings more to do that job 
but he probably wanted to allow Ollie to stay up top to give us a platform. But there's no fucking platform ensuing if you're not going to hit the ball, at least in the general direction of Ollie Watkins. It's a yeah. bad idea anyway, because like we've said a hundred times before, Coutinho and Bundia aren't getting in and around him, so it's fucking pointless. But none of it worked. And the bigger issue, I think, is that Gerard seems to give primacy to stopping the opposition and yeah. not enough attention to how we're going to score. Like I said at the top of the show, it's Arsenal. Let's not create a fucking bogeyman out of this. How are we going to attack them? Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Um, yeah, you're right. Like they, they could hurt you going forward, but I was more looking at the fact that there's space between White and Cedric, like you pointed out. It's Gabriel. It's Arsenal. Like fucking, let's shake them a bit. Let's get Jack on the back foot. Let let's let's see what party's made of. Let's get them worrying a bit. Let like. Bert Leno was a mess. He's flapping around and anything comes near him. And we didn't try to test any of it out. We didn't test any bit of that fence to see if there was a weak spot in it. And we know, we know that there are weak spots there. But Villa were so consumed with what might happen. And they were so, like, I actually think the way they played would have been better defensively anyway. The way they played coming into this game, I think it would have given them more outlets, which would have been better for the defence. I think Ings and Watkins worked their socks off. I think Coutinho's been better in that middle. I think it did give you a bit more width when you had the two boys up front in defence. And um, yeah, it, it just, it, it never it never pans out the way you want it. And the, the way you say about having a primacy um, to worry about what the opposition are going to do. Gerard did say afterwards, we had a plan we wanted to keep it tight. He said, he said it was harder when they scored a goal then. Like, that's not what the original game plan was, that we're chasing a goal. It's like, that's, that's a bad game plan if one goal upends what you were planning on doing. Like, your game plan should consist of doing a bit of both. And it should consist of when it's 1-0 with over 60 minutes to play, that that shouldn't completely undo everything that you planned on doing. It should be, let's go again. Like, we've, we've, we've fallen asleep from a set piece there. Let's go again with this game plan that we have. Like everybody's game plan includes not conceding goals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This idea that once a team has conceded or scored against you, it, to, for that to impact how you were going to play. And surely he had a fucking, he had done, like he had played this out, he had gamed this. You know, yeah. what happens if Arsenal score? Because there's a really good fucking chance they're going to score. It's a 90 minute game. What are you going to do if that? eventuality happens obviously you don't want them to score nobody wants to concede a goal but how are you going to fucking score while you're trying to stop them as well and they, and i've said this before which are that is obviously the next step that's the step for a good team to take is to try to be focused on how you're going to score you can't just focus on trying to stop the opposition scoring especially if we're going to keep conceding shambolic goals where the whole team is at fault for it <laughs> Next nomination is not targeting Granit Xhaka. He, <laughs> once again, he's crying out for a red card all the time anyway. There he is. He's wound up. He's, he's good to go. And <laughs> Villa didn't put any pressure on him. I actually don't remember Granit Xhaka for the rest of that match. It was before halftime that he got his yellow card. And I thought, perfect, let's have a conversation about halftime. Get in that fucker's face. Like, that boy is going to slap out at you. Just hang around him. Just just put a hand on his tummy. Just just be there, and he's going to react. The same way he reacted to Buendia. Buendia gives him a little nudge in the stomach, and he, he proceeds to push him in the throat. I think this is this is what Granit Xhaka does. He's stupid. And instead, Villa just 
said, hang on, that guy's in danger of getting sent off. Let's leave him alone and we'll take the ball to other areas of the pitch now. And in fairness, he didn't have the ball really to target him. <laughs> no, but you're right. Like, to, to not target him is one of the worst decisions from an Aston Villa manager since since Remy Gard thought going <laughs> was a form of coaching. Ramsey had to run at him for the entirety of the second half. McGinn should have arsed him into the middle of next week. Dougie should have spent the next 20 minutes licking his neck, snapping at his ankles, humping his leg like a good boy. (laughs) But pathetic, like all three of them had roots to get at him. Everybody's got a route to get a granite jacket. Just start chatting to him. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was really, really tactically naive. The next nomination, probably the winner. There's so many. Like I think changing the shape will be hard to beat. But 69 minutes to make a sub. 69 minutes. Like I, can't, I can't believe that anybody would watch that first half and think, I want to see more of that. <laughs> or, or they would watch that first half and think, do you know what? A few home truths is going to solve this. Because obviously, obviously it's not. Gerard said afterwards as well. He said, we set up to be aggressive but lack belief in what we were doing. I thought certain individuals lack belief. It's hard to execute a game plan if not everyone believes in what you're doing. Then change what you're doing. It's, you've got in the half time and it's only 1-0. This is the thing that Villa didn't get away with the last time they played Villa when we said they were hoping to not go 2-0 down. Villa got away with it this time. When they got absolutely hammered down there. This time it was still 1-0 and Arsenal were stepping back. Gerard had pinpointed that certain individuals had lacked belief and he did fuck all about it. He wasted another quarter of a match sitting, waiting, hoping something would happen and obviously nothing happened. Yeah, and to wait the 69 minutes as well to try and make a change in a game that needed changing was bizarre as well because there were so many obvious players. You could have taken, like Jacob Ramsey was crying out to be taken off. The fact that he stayed on the pitch so long is, is madness. Taken off Buendia before Coutinho. Yeah. I know we want to sign him, but if he's going to get pissed off when we're when being substituted after performing like that, maybe we shouldn't yeah, fucking sign him. Like you know, yeah. test the waters there because he needed to be taken off. Like I, and I know you should leave on your magicians, but Coutinho was just sawing his glamorous assistant in half. He was pulling fucking dead rabbits out of the hat. As he needed to come <laughs> off. He was having a stinker, and then to 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 take off Watkins ahead of him as well, like. How did we not just go, fuck it, 4-2-4, we're one down, there's 10 to play, we have nothing to play for other than the fucking 40,000 fans that have paid in to watch this garbage? Also, a huge surprise is that he didn't throw Chambers on to sprinkle a bit of magic on proceedings. (laughs) Well, the next and final nomination for the ULEC Lam Whedon take a 90-minute penalty award. (laughs) Yeah, he waited 69 minutes to make some subs. And then when he did make the subs, it was Bertrand Terori and Leon Bailey. Yeah, madness. <laughs> like, what, what an absolute waste of time. Just two lads getting on the ball and running blindly or passing the ball back to their fullback. Waste of fucking time. And but like to, to take them off as well and not have Ollie Walker, or to take, bring them on and to not have Ollie Watkins on the pitch for more than two or three minutes with them is, is also madness. I mean, if you're not... play Ollie, If you're going to play two out-and-out wingers, then play Ollie Watkins up front. I, I, I can't believe that he didn't revert back to the formation that had been working so well. Like Not at any stage that they think, let's try the two up top again. Let's try Buendia in the number 10. Like, and what a vote of confidence that would be. He would be bouncing 
coming into those last 20 minutes. It's like, yeah, Coutinho's coming off. It wasn't his day. We all love Coutinho. He was playing shite. And let's let's keep Buendia on, see what he can do. Or, yeah, the fact that he didn't even maybe leave Buendia on anyway, if, if he's still keen to take Coutinho off, or sorry, to leave Coutinho on, uh, what stage do you just start risking things to try and get back into the game? Because we were not close to getting back into the game. And like I said, he was a bit... A bit feisty afterwards. It was a Des Kelly with the, the BT interview, um, but it was it, it seemed to be a bit a bit defensive about the idea that Villa weren't getting shots on target or any shots really for a, a large period of the game. And I think he's always trying to control that narrative that they are more attacking than they actually are. Yeah, well, he's failing to control it. <laughs> <laughs> the Vyman meter. Ugh. I was going to say going up actually young because he had a good block on Lacazette and he had a tough t- he had a tough role against Saka and I was thinking what would Target have done today but largely he, he got roasted by Saka really didn't he? Yeah, like it reminded actually it actually reminded me of Target versus Sar particularly the first yeah. twenty minutes. He was he was pathetic coming out of the traps for some of them. I mean, there was the one where Saka got in and Young tried to pop out to the ball. I don't I don't know if it was his eyesight was going or his fucking he just thought he was faster than he actually is. He forgot that he had slowed down, but he just was nowhere near getting to the ball and Saka just yeah. ran through on goal. Well I, the, I the, think Mings forgot how quick Saka was in as well because he decided to try and get that ball before Saka. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fair, Mings had to go over. Like he had he had to because Young was so far back and he was never ever gonna get there. But yeah, Mings wasn't gonna get there either. He probably could have slowed down and tried to block off the space a bit more. But to be fair, what Ashley Young did was he didn't absolutely go into his shell. He did continue to play and he was important going forward in the second half. But he's also a diving little cunt as well. <laughs> so he's knocking up in the diamond mirror. Fair point. Yeah, well made. Uh, anybody going up? Uh, like going up to the decision to bring back Konza. Happy to see that. Apart from his uh, almost OG, which was terrible decision from him and terrible bit of bodywork. But uh just, yeah, I just feel better when Ezri Kanza's on the pitch. He's always got that a lovely bit of body work that he shows about two or three times in a game where he's also using his hips and he's just kind of shuffling the guy away from the ball and then the guy's gone three yards towards our byline and Kanza's gone three yards in the opposite direction with the ball. It's always glorious to see. The only only person I could think of going up, maybe, is Matt Cash, just because <sighs> when he... When he had the ball, I was like, oh, yeah, like he's the only one who can maybe run past three, four players. Like, I shouldn't be yeah. thinking that about a right back, and I should never be thinking that in a game as if that's their only way in. Yeah, he's running past three or four players up against a fucking dead end. He was just running in blind alleys constantly. Yeah. <laughs> like, and to be fair, he was doing brilliantly to skip past the first three people, but then he was just coming against a fucking brick wall and had to turn back around. It was pointless. Yeah. Uh, going down the the sunshine at Villa Park, terrible for the camera, isn't it? Like just that <laughs> bright, bright light, and then the the contrast with the big shadow. Then as well, it's very hard to see what's going on a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, it was awkward enough, all right. Yeah, you see, you don't want to talk about that, but I'm about to bring you on to some fashion related vitamin meter <laughs> content. So you better strap yourself in. You're going to bring yourself on to some fashion related content. <laughs> On Tuesday, the boys, back when we were sort of feeling good about the boys, they had won three, lost to West Ham, we were sort of over at that stage. The boys had all rocked up to the first day at Cheltenham, and they were looking absolutely fantastic, a lot of them. Uh, big, big controversy for Courtney Howes, who posted this photo, 
who showed up wearing, I don't even want to say white, it looks more like a cream blazer with a cream polo neck underneath. It looks like a preacher, and I have to say, I like it. <laughs> then you can say that, Connor. Feel free <laughs> to say that. Don't let anybody tell you not to say that. Going up or down for you. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's neutral for me, Colin. To be honest, going up, Tyro Mings went for the classic look, and when you're Tyro Mings and you're as distinguished looking and well put together, I think it really just works. Like he just uh, didn't try anything out of the ordinary, didn't try anything hard. Just said, "I'll put on a normal suit and I'll make it look fucking brilliant." In complete fucking contrast to how he normally defends. <laughs> going down Matt Cash I have to say I expected way more from Matt Cash I thought I thought he would bring someone a bit ridiculous that we'd be sitting here criticising now but now he's getting criticised for not doing that he's just gone for a bit of a the picture's on the on the Villa Podcast Twitter account or Courtney House's Instagram if you want to go check it out there Matt oh Cash I definitely will I definitely will <laughs> bit of a grey and sort of checkered black uh, blazer suit I'm making it sound way more extravagant than it is he's just blending in there and I don't know if I like it Right. I'm sorry. Are you are you going to go through every player? Were they all there? Going down, Emmy Buendia. <laughs> Emmy Buendia is just wearing a little jumper over a shirt, and it doesn't look like he's got a tie. It looks like he's started playing football uh, for school. Like you know, at lunchtime he's running around. He's lost a tie, and his white shirt is just hanging out over his black jumper. Fucking scumbag! It's like he's given up on life since we signed <laughs> Philip Coutinho. <laughs> Philip continues going up because he looks a million dollars at it. He probably looks the best. He looks absolutely sensational. He is wearing a jumper and a shirt, but he makes it look way better. Like Buendia's got it, just just like just like he not he plays like Buendia, but makes it look way better. <laughs> Buendia's got his top button buttoned underneath his jumper, so it doesn't look right. Whereas Coutinho's got it open, and then he's got just a lovely grey jacket over it as well like it looks casual but really cool and he looks great yeah it sounds like you're just flirting with him to try and make sure he signs the signs the contract <laughs> i was looking at this picture thinking oh he looks happy there he looks like he's fitting in with the boys looking at him on a trip in a picture where are you what what everybody smile click of course he looks fucking happy <laughs> Ashley Young's going down, his blazer, now in fairness maybe they couldn't find anything else, but his blazer looks like it's two sizes over for him, like it looks like it doesn't fit, and he's just throwing it on, and try to match it with a pair of sunglasses, it doesn't work. It's it's funny, because I actually asked jokingly, are we going to go through every player in the team here, but it actually sounds like we are. <laughs> going up, Ollie Watkins. And for the classic look, and when you're as good looking as him and Mings, you have to pull it off. Unfortunately for John McGinn, he's not as good looking as Ollie Watkins, and Mings and his classic look is Sorry, not working for him. Have we got Andy rating how good looking the players are now? <laughs> One more. Emmy Martinez is definitely going up. I thought initially it was a hoodie that he was wearing. Instead, <laughs> he's, just, he's just throwing on some sort of big fur coat. Over the top of an orange jumper of some sort, like a, not an out there orange, like one of those really sort of pale orange colours. And uh, he's just thrown on whatever he could find on the way out the door and gone to bet some horses. I'm surprised he's not wearing Yuri Mina's skin. <laughs> it probably is. It's unconfirmed. Probably is. Anyway, you've made it through that. Thanks very much. Questions <laughs> we can't answer, but probably will. That is not Arsenal fans. 
chanting, you're just a shit Aaron Ramsdale, is it? About Martinez! <laughs> Who else could it be chanting <laughs> About Leno? <laughs> fucking would want to be, wouldn't it? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Were Everton playing today? Was it about Pickford? Like, what the... <laughs> They weren't singing that about Emiliano Martinez. And I was thinking just before that game how devastating a blow it was that Arm Ramsdale wasn't playing. Yeah, like it, it was. He, he Arm, looks like Arm Ramsdale looks like he has two cups of coffee before every game. He's so fucking jittery and erratic. It also looks like he's carrying the mugs when he's playing because he's never caught a fucking ball in his life in stark contrast to Emi Martinez. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were chanting about Martinez because he just cleared it out for a throw-in. He does that once a game. He just picks out the the sideline and the Arsenal fans loved it and proceeded to chant, you're just a shit Aaron Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale, you're right. I was disappointed that he wasn't playing today as well. Like He's, he's gotten his habit. I don't know if you watched the Watford game and the Liverpool match midweek. He, he's trying to save the ball the wrong way around. <laughs> against Liverpool for Jota's goal they're coming in the left and against Watford it was Sissoko's goal coming in the right so if you take the Sissoko one Aaron Ramsdale so as he's seen it the goals are on his left and Sissoko's coming in from the right wing like the Watford right wing Ramsdale is going out to the right hand side so he's trying to save it he's trying to dive to his left to save this ball so he's not covering his near post and of course Sissoko just pokes it into the open net and <laughs> Ramsdale left him and Jota couldn't believe the same thing was happening. He's coming in to the left. And Ramsdale takes a step to the left. This time he's trying to save it from left to right. And Jota's thinking, oh, is that is that a near post that's just sitting open? Uh, yeah, I'll just put it into that empty net. It's a weird, weird habit that he has. Yeah, another weird habit as well, though, is commentators and analysts talking about how good Arm Ramsdale is. I mean, <laughs> th- that's the Soko goal is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Like, it's, it's, If anyone hasn't seen it, go and watch it. Flick to the last 10 seconds of the Arsenal-Watford highlights that are on YouTube. And the, the Sissoko, it's so bad. It's like he's run out to his penalty spot so he could dive towards his near post. I mean, if I, if I was the Arsenal goalkeeping coach, I'd strap him to the post with a fucking cable tie around his neck to try and get him to understand where to stand. It's it's absolutely baffling. Like, we've got climate change protesters better able to defend their net than Aaron Ramsdale. <laughs> yeah, but whenever whenever Jota's goal went in, the, the, the commentators were just talking about, oh, he doesn't do well there. They, at no point did they remember the goal from a week before. Madness. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's no link to it there. And at no point are they ever going to actually start putting stuff together here. I'm wondering, is this a pattern or is, is this keeper not everything we've made out to be? But he has made it to the England squad. And yeah, maybe maybe our next question we can't answer should be England related. Is it too early in the year to start criticising and analysing Gareth Southgate? <laughs> oh, Gareth Southgate makes some wacky decisions in his squad selection. <laughs> and like, if this is a question we can't answer... I don't want to come across like Steve and Gerrard here, Conan, but that question is about as useful as Des Kelly pointing out. There's a gap between Liverpool and Aston Villa. <laughs> it is mad, though. I'm actually pretty annoyed at Steve and Gerrard for... Uh, not, not that Gareth Southgate was ever going to need the excuse anyway, but you know, for dropping Konza there when he came back from COVID and <laughs> not bringing him straight back in. Because you look at the thing and it's like... We know that we assume that Cons is better than Mings, right? And then there's Maguire floating around there. There's Connor Cody. It's like John Stones, Ben White, 
Cons that should be in that England squad now. That's not going to be the hill we die on, but like maybe we should just focus on Harry Maguire for now. I don't know, do we focus on him too much? But Gareth Southgate's gone and made the big calls. He's dropped the boys who are out of form and he's brought in Harry Maguire again. Yeah, it's madness. And this is Gareth Southgate is brilliant at contradicting himself within the same couple of sentences and nobody picking up on him because all your pals in the media are idiots. And he's talking about how. Harry Maguire is an important part of the squad for the last couple of games so of course he's not going to be dropped the club form doesn't matter while also talking about the fact that Marcus Rashford has been dropped because he hasn't been in good form madness <laughs> the only really surprising thing in all this is that he's actually only picked two right backs yeah yeah, that, that's so and, true and he's also picked the right two as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well Trippier is injured so he did get a, a buyout for that one yeah okay so maybe that maybe that's not that surprising <laughs> yeah Look, we'll pace ourselves. The World Cup's a long way away. So <laughs> have a bit of fun with that. And we'll also have to pace ourselves with the show because we're not back. Villa are not back until the 2nd of April. What's that, two weeks away? Um, so, yeah, I suppose we will chat to you that weekend. At some stage, I will not commit right now to saying when we will be here next. I've been warned before that I have said we will be back or we'll try and get you a an earlier podcast i'm not going to do that to you this time just just get in touch with us if you want to you know where we are now at this stage and uh we will be back at no. some stage and we'll definitely be back for the next game so are you um, not gonna you're not gonna give everyone a, a wee wednesday morning commute podcast to listen to the ireland lithuania review from <laughs> <laughs> that would be brilliant wouldn't it we should, and we shouldn't even put that in the headline we should just you know say new podcast here it is <laughs> <laughs> Why was Shane Duffy starting and Stephen Kenny did this? <laughs> Imagine the Birmingham base fan like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, probably should just leave it, actually. Yeah, yeah. But if Ireland keep going the way they're going, then maybe we will have to jump on that train as well. Uh, anyway, get in touch. If you like, you don't have to. <laughs> Enjoy your couple of weeks off. We all deserve it. And we'll uh, get ready for the running. I'm sure the boys will not be ready for the running now that they're... Uh, pretty much guaranteed mid-table and uh, we can probably expect more of the same for the rest of the season and that's the one we all have to look forward to so uh, we'll see you then all the best Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.